I do want to turn your attention very quickly to Mark chapter 1, reading from verse 9 through 15. And I do want to ask you that you stand with me in honor of the Word of God, and after which, uh, once I've read, I will pray and invite you to be seated. Mark chapter 1, reading from verse 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Father, this morning... May your word bring life, hope, liberation, understanding, wisdom. And may your spirit do in and through us that which your word is destined to accomplish. Make us more than just seekers of more understanding. Make us hungry for wisdom. Make us more than just more educated Christians. Teach us to discern the leading of your Spirit. Use the simple thoughts that you've laid on my heart to paint the picture of the beauty of Christ so that if there is anybody here today that is looking for a Savior, looking for a comforter, searching for hope, needing wisdom, that they may find you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I have a good friend of mine visiting from Ontario via Thunder Bay, Joy. I said to her the other day, Joy, your name is appropriate because when I'm in your presence, that's what you bring. And um, as we were talking about many things, which is always the case when she visits, she made this reference and used this word, recapitulation. Yep, a little bit of a weird person, but that's okay. You want to say that with me? Recapitulation. You say that? Uh, The word itself, according to the dictionary, means an act or instance of summarizing and restating the main points of something. So in her line of work, in, as a lawyer, it is, uh, it is he, he recapitulated his argument. But not wanting to be outdone by her legal expertise, I let her know that in the Bible, in theology, we use this word also, recapitulation. And by it, we mean something a little bit different. Yes, it's about restating some major points, 
But we believe that Jesus actually lives his life in such a way that he not only recaptures the destiny and the mission of the people of God from creation, but that he fulfills what they could not do for themselves. In fact, I want to say to you this way, that Jesus not only picks up the story and the narrative of created man and Israel, but he becomes the very hope, the very savior, the very life, the very answer to being who God has destined them to be. So get this. When you read the Gospels, when you read Mark, who is considered to be the oldest Gospel, there's recapitulation happening all the time. Uh, Jesus is walking back in order to walk forward. He is showing uh, his, his, his audience, he's teaching his disciples that what God began, he was committed to finishing. Are you not happy that God does not quit on us? Uh, I think the church ought to be very, very thankful that God's promises remain true. His commitments are lasting. And so in Mark's gospel, for example, we may read that, you know, it says here that in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the, by, by, by John in the Jordan. We may not realize some recapitulation that's happening. Like Israel was being led into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan. They had to go through the water in order to be free, not only from Egypt's enslavement, but from a mentality that made them believe that they are indeed slaves. They had to cross through the water by the hand of God in order to leave behind not only slavery, but a way of thinking about who they were. And isn't it something that Jesus enters that same Jordan River to offer for Israel more than just a land, a place to live in freedom, but a hope that attunes them again to the heart of God and the plan for all people. When Jesus steps into the Jordan, he is doing something that, that says something more than we think he's saying. He is not only saying, I'm identifying with Israel who fell short so many times, but I am the one who steps into the very place that Israel failed, <laughs> that, that, that Israel didn't kind of make it through in a good way. And there's so much I want to say about this, but when I... When I was thinking about this text, this, this thought came to my mind that there's something beautiful and powerful 
about Jesus stepping into the water. It is as if it is a, a way of God saying that I will, I will open up the heavens to come down to where you are. And I will step even into the very waters that once represented the place that you struggled, the place where you failed. And the kind of Jesus we see in the scripture is the one who the Father blesses because he steps into the life that you and I live so that we may experience true liberation. I was baptized many years ago in my late teens, so about five, six years ago. Um, Pastor Henry Aronser at the Bonte Hivel Church of the Nazarene in a, uh, in a non-heated ba- uh, baptismal. You really had to want to get baptized. It was super cold. Uh, I remember the day not only because the water was cold, but because of how important that day was in my life. Uh, it was a day in which I stood before the church, the family of God, saying that I am taking this Christian faith seriously. What I perhaps didn't catch at that young age was that as seriously as I took my commitment and my profession of faith, that passages like this reminds me of some things that perhaps I wish I was taught. The first is simply this that any response I make is exactly that. That God is the one who acts first to enable me to even say that I belong to him. That this Christ steps into waters that represented sin, so identifying with humanity. In fact, in Philippians, the apostle Paul says, he gave up things in order to become like us. I wish someone had said to me, when you get baptized, yes, your profession matters too, but I want you to understand something. In fact, this past week, I was speaking to Luke about the meaning of baptism, and I said to him, you know, son, we do very well as Protestants to emphasize our commitment, our intention, what we believe, but do we grasp the enormity of God's grace through the person of Jesus Christ who steps into the very places of brokenness and says, I have come to step into the water with you so that I can bring you out of the mess of your life and lead you to where I want you to be. I wish that someone had said to me that when I get baptized, God steps into the baptismal with me. He steps into the reality of my world, of my life, of my experience. And he offers me the same words that he hears from the Father. This is my son. This is my daughter. These are my beloved. And then hear these words. In them, I am well pleased. There's a song that quotes the Apostle Paul who said it this way, he became sin 
You know it? Who knew no sin, that we may become his righteousness. You know, our fathers have said it. They've said it this way. They've said, Jesus became just like us so that we may in every way by his spirit become like him. Come on now. Are you glad for a savior? Off notes, am I, where am I? Eight minutes? Seven? Keep going? Okay, blame Ryan if I go too long. I wonder today as I am about to do a, uh, you know, something that if you're not a part of the Christian church or that you, you know, you're new to Christian faith or you're not even a Christian and you're here, we're glad you're here, that perhaps would seem very strange, you know, this whole dunking thing. <laughs> What's wrong with you Christians? You don't have a hot tub at home, you know? But sacraments represents for us um, tangible ways of accessing something very sacred, very beautiful, very powerful. And for me today, it is a privilege on two accounts. One, it is always a privilege to baptize those who said yes to Jesus Christ. If you were back in my home church on Baptism Sunday, this is the point where the pastor says this. You may not have come ready to be baptized, but we'll baptize you and let you go home wet and let the Holy Spirit dry you. <laughs> but this morning, it is also my privilege to baptize my son. I want Luke to know something that I want each one of you to know here today. His grace knows no limits. His love knows no boundaries. The scripture says his mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. When I was speaking to Luke, I said to him, Luke, it's important that you are serious about your Christian commitment and faith. It is important that you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we're going to say all those things and do all those things here today because it's important that we understand what we are saying yes to. But I so want Luke to know this. God's love, the beauty of Christ, the joy of the Father and the presence of the Spirit that celebrates today a child that has found home. I wonder if some of us wants to remember our baptism, or maybe some here today say, I, I haven't been baptized, and, and I'm going to do something that's probably going to make some people really uncomfortable. If you want to be baptized today, we've got a couple of extra towels. Here's the condition that you see the beauty of Jesus Christ. That you come receiving his grace, his pardon, his mercy. And that you say, I want to live every part of my life, every day of my life to the best of my ability in his grace and according to his will. So that we may experience 
what Jesus experiences is in the water. Two things, and I close. Jesus' baptism teaches us that in him, we are loved by the Father as the Father loves him. I want you to hear this because this is really important for some of you. Some of you work real hard for love. You think it's about your performance because the world kind of posits it that way. It says, if you love me, I'll love you back. The starting point of the Christian faith is never us. It is always His grace and love. He speaks those words to liberate you from false pursuits of winning affection and love. Some people live their whole life trying to earn what God has already given them through Christ. Let me say that again. Some Christians live outside the security of knowing that they have been loved so much that Christ left nothing undone on the cross for them. If you don't grasp the love of God, then you won't develop an intimate relationship with the Savior. You may end up with religion. You may end up knowing a lot of stuff about the Bible, but I want you to understand that the love of God comes through us through the self-giving sacrifice of Christ, and He speaks these words to you and me. By my Son, I welcome you in. You are mine. And you and I say, why? I, I, I haven't been as good as I need to be. Does anybody need to repent today? How's the last 24 hours been? Last three days, the last week. You see, the grace of God says to us, we are not saving ourselves. We are being saved by the grace and the love of God. But the second thing that we hear in this baptism narrative is this. That the Spirit plays a significant role in helping us to know who we are. The heavens are torn open. Oh, I could preach on that. <laughs> it's almost like God says, I, I, I'm going to break through whatever just to be here and let you know some things. You know, the, the, the Spirit tears through things. Um, the, the, the Spirit invades things that are hard to get into. It's only the Spirit. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way. It is the Spirit that has to testify with our spirit that we belong. Some of us really struggle to believe that we're truly accepted, but the Spirit that breaks through the heavens and descends on Jesus is the same Spirit that is given to us who believe in Him today. So that two things may happen. First, that we would know we belong to God, which in my opinion is only possible by the Spirit's witness. And two, that we would be led by the Spirit as Jesus was led by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord for the church of God today. Can I end with a Wesley hymn? Some of you are chuckling because you know why I'm thinking about a John Wesley hymn. He got this right. 18th century theologian, 
British guy. His brother, I'm sorry, I said that was John. His brother wrote the song. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Amen.